Movember is the leading charity dedicated to changing the face of men's health around the world. This Movember, whatever mustache you grow, will save a bro. Donating to Movember will help raise funds and awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and mental health and suicide prevention. There are lots of volleyball bros growing their mold that you can donate to, or if you don't know anyone, yours truly and Passing Dime Zone, Josh Nickel, is raising funds for Movember. Head over to mobro, M-O-B-R-O dot C-O slash Josh Nickel, J-O-S-H-N-I-C-H-O-L, to donate. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. We're here on site at beautiful York University, and we ran into two studs here, so we'll get a, a quality interview for you guys. So uh, I'll introduce our first guest, Andrew Schottbolt. He's in his fifth year here uh, with the York Lions. Fans will remember him with the Markham Stingers, where he won two silvers and a bronze at Club Nationals. He also won an offset championship with Bill Crothers, and he's been a first-team OUA All-Star. Also joining us is Ture Wakwesi. Oh, I'm going to have to try harder on that one. Uh, he's also in his fifth year, grew up uh, playing with Pac-Man. We'll name drop some other uh, studs because we've had Koss and some other friends of the show already here. Uh, he's from Mayfield High School where friends of the show will recognize the Tao brothers and some other studs. He's been a second-team OUA All-Star, and I can't wait to get in and cover everything these guys have been up to. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Appreciate it. Longer intro when there's two guys on here. This <laughs> so let's get into it. Big opening weekend for you guys. You beat Queens, who's traditionally very strong, obviously, defending OUA champs. Uh, I'm guessing the year's going well. How's it started? Uh, how, how are we looking this year? Um, I think uh, I think we've got a really good squad again this year. Um, every single year that I've been here, uh, we've had really strong uh, talents uh, from all the years. Like I think we have one of the deeper teams in the league, and uh, I think just this year we need to focus on making sure that we are uh, peaking at the right time at the end of the year. Yeah, last year was all about um, getting acclimated to, to our situation, like new coach, new system coming in, um, getting chemistry back with a bunch of guys in that new system. And, and this year I feel like we, we've adjusted and we're, we believe in it and we're confident in it. So um, definitely uh, seeing the results so far and hoping to, again, yeah, peak at that, at that right time going into the end of the season. Now, what does your program like to do to get guys up to speed? Because you guys have contributed since your first years, but to lose a guy like Logan, who was also contributing, like that's a big spot to kind of replace a setter. Uh, what do you guys do to like to bring in the young people so they they can contribute and really focus on what your goals are this year? Um, I think a big thing is um, kind of the culture that we have here. Um, we're, we we love to have like the family aspect and everything like that, um, and it's a lot of off court stuff. Um, whether it's like team bonding and stuff like that and taking time in our days to like watch video and stuff and, and really encouraging the younger guys because like we have like uh, a second year setter who's actually a year younger like Logan was so he actually is 18 years old and should be in his first year but so he's young but he's doing a great job and uh, and I think really him knowing that he's got the support of everyone around him um, really allows him to just go out and ball every game not have to worry about it too much. Now, have you guys noticed a difference since your first year? Like, what helped uh, bring you guys in to get you up to speed? Like, what did some of the vets do? Because I think the York culture has been strong for a lot of cycles yeah, now, 100%. actually. Yeah, 100%. Like, at the end of the day, like, it's a brother, it's a brotherhood. Like, when we come in, like, everyone is, is asking us, like, how are we doing? Like, how's school? Like, how's our mental? Like, how's the social life? Like, how do you feel vulnerable? Like, is there anything that I can do for you? And just, like, at the end of the day, like, since I was in first year, and that's continued ever since till this year, it's just, like, allowing new people who are coming in to, to let them make mistakes and let them learn and be like, that's okay. Like, if, if you're learning, like, we're going to have your back 100%. And just, like, building up confidence to, to like, when you have your number called up on that court and, and say, like, hey, it's your turn to ball out. Like, you put in the 
here. That's that's more. Now, how is uh, Nate Gronveld affected the program? Because obviously one of one of the best young volleyball minds in our sport. But you guys have also experienced Wally, who's a legend. Uh, Wabi, who's just the greatest high energy guy. Like I've never heard a bad thing about him. So how how is Nate kind of carried on what those guys previously have built, and what's he kind of added that his his own new flavor? I think uh, I think he's 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 a bit of a, a mix of both. Where um, Wabi did a great job when he came in, um, and that was a big change because. Uh, while I was here forever, and uh, he did a great job coming in and uh, breeding the right kind of attitude in, in the training culture and stuff like that, um, making sure that we were always like high energy, staying positive, not getting down on ourselves. And Wally, I think in my, we only had him for one full year, um, but he was like uh, very tactical. We had him and Chumley that were very tactical and uh, feeding us good game plan. I think Nathan does a good job of combining both, where he's not too much focused on um, us just being tactical, and he's also really making sure he's monitoring um, the energy that our team plays with. Because I think we have one of the more energetic and passionate yeah. teams out there. Um, like he's had to almost calm down our bench a lot of times. <laughs> we used to average, I think, a yellow card a game easily. Um, so I think that's really what he brings um, a good mix of both um, to our team. And I think that's been helping us. And now, and now we're starting to adjust to it better, and we're, it's allowing for our gameplay to kind of show. Yeah, like he, like like he said, like he, like you said, he has one of the best like volleyball minds um, in our sport right now as a young coach, and just like, like he's brilliant, and I think he does a really good job of, of simplifying that to us players, and like being able uh, as players to translate his like brilliance into like physical gameplay, right? Like he like break down like he could break down like a, a bunch of statistics, but uh, he'll just put it in a way for us to to. Do it on the court, like whether it's serving, whether it's attacking, whether it's defense, whether like it's a it's a particular system against a particular team. Like he does a really good job of communicating that and, and uh, maintaining that energy for us that um, we're cognitively engaged, physically engaged, and I think he's just a, a really good communicator overall. Awesome, and I'll give credit where it's due. When you guys entered the league, it felt like McMaster was the team to beat, and they had a great run with Danny Dembenko and Steve Marr, yeah. that, that big cycle there. How has the league changed? Because from an outsider, it feels like this might be one of the most wide-open years that the OUA has seen. Well, I'll give credit to Queens. They are the defending champions, yeah. but they haven't had the best start of the season where it seems like it, it, it's a crapshoot right now about who's really going to end up on top of this thing. Yeah, the past three years, every year I've been like, wow, this is the most open the year has been. And then next year it's like, no, actually this is the most open. <laughs> um, and I, I definitely think last year having Queens uh, win it uh, really shows that that's the current state and even more so this year. Because um, Queens, the defending national champs, you know, like the opening weekend, we were able to get a win off them. Um, and that really just shows you that like we are now, you know, I think at that same level where we're going to be able to compete with uh, those guys, McMasters, like any of the teams out there. Um, and McMaster, obviously, is still a phenomenal team. Um, but I feel like the, the league has been able to catch up. And, and now, like, at the end of the year, it's kind of who's playing well, who's healthy, yep. and, like, who's ready to go. Yeah, like, I, I think volleyball is one of those special sports where a lot of it at this level, especially at the OUA level, is all mental. Like, when you break that mental gap, that... Uh, you can be like one of the best teams, like Queens did McMaster. It just shows everyone else in the league that, like, hey, like you can win it too. Like, it doesn't have to be like the same one or two teams in the finals every year. And I think we especially have taken that to heart, especially with that first game, um, just building up a lot of confidence and a lot of mental fortitude for sure. Now, you guys have been in some battles where you, you've been first in your division. You've had Duncan Tebow. You've had the Logan years. 
haven't been able to get over the hump of the quarterfinal. Like, what is it different in the OUA when playoffs start? Like, what is the big difference there? Is it just the, the really focused prep that one team can put on the other? Or what's really the difference that's kind of caused you guys to stumble? And maybe this is the year we get over the hump. I think uh, I think a big thing back when we had Tebow here um, was that teams were able to realize that it was one game that they needed to steal off us. And there was one big component of the team that they needed to focus on, right? So, like, taking away... Um, some of the shots that Tebow was going for all the time in that year hurt. Um, in my third year, uh, the, the year that I had first team, I, um, I'm pretty sure the Windsor guys were really focusing on the shots that I was hitting, uh, front court and back court, um, and we were missing Toure that year, and it allowed them to focus mainly more on certain aspects. This year, and a thing that Nate is trying to do is like we're trying to have a very even, evenly spread offense. Um, so the days that one guy's not having a really good day or middles aren't having a good day. We have a lot of other um, weapons at our disposal and we have a lot of guys off the bench that can come in, um, which will give other teams like a tough look and they'll have nothing to plan for. So I think that for us this year is going to be a big reason why we're hoping to get uh, faster quarters. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like we just have so many different players on our team that can do so many different things. Like we're super deep, like guys are coming off the bench and serving rockets and playing like just amazing defense like off the bench like who are even starting right like I'm I've been a middle in this league and then playing right side this year and like today playing loves or defensive loves yeah <laughs> like it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be like it's gonna be a good time this year like so many guys are just putting in the work and I think that's a difference like we're not depending on just like any one source of offense or defense we're just like we have this goal and we know we're all capable and we're just all contributing. Now, I know you guys aren't looking ahead, but just for the listeners, can you explain the new national policy? Because obviously with the AUS and RSEQ kind of joining, uh, what does it mean for Ontario this year? I believe there's a couple bids on the line. So you guys just kind of mind explaining how our playoff format will work and then how that leads into nationals? We have three or four bids this year. I, that's why I'm asking. I think I, it might be three I, this year. Yeah, I think it's three, three this year. Yeah. yeah. So um, Manitoba's hosting. Yeah. Manitoba's yeah. hosting, so they get the automatic. Yeah, and then I think it's three Can West and is Ontario three, and then AUS and, and RSEQ will fight for the one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I mean, definitely uh, out east, it's tougher because they've combined, and now uh, Dalhousie and UMB are competing. Are basically part of the Quebec league. Yeah. As far as I'm yeah. Concerned, right? So that so, makes that league a lot tougher. Um, I mean, we still. I think we've had uh, we've had I think three bids a, a couple times yep. that uh, we've been here. Um, so obviously it de- depends on how teams have done in the past at nationals. Um, we've been fortunate to have some good teams in Ontario that have done really well, um, and it it really allows you to when you get later on in the season uh, knowing that it's it it is 100 percent about winning. But if you can get if you can find a way to squeeze into that national championship, then it oh it's it's wide open again. And There's only happen. It's only two or three games you need to win to then become a national champion. It's, it's not always just the winner of the league that comes in at like, out east or out west or in Ontario that ends up winning it all. So, Yeah, I think if we were to look it up, the most recent one that I really paid attention to was UBC because like you mentioned with Nate and his love about tactics and serving and yeah. stuff, I think they finished third in Can West and then looked like world beaters at nationals, right? <laughs> yeah. So the draw really matters. Who's healthy coming into yeah. it matters. So It's a yeah. long season too. Definitely sure. an exciting thing happening. So th- this is great. So thanks for your update on the season so far. You know, I wouldn't be doing my journalistic duty if we didn't talk about club volleyball a little bit. So, uh, Turi, let's start with you because I, I just love to name drop. We've had uh, Koss on the show, and we can't wait to cut a couple other guys. 
what was it like being part of that Pac-Man team? Like, you won a national championship yeah. in 16U. Like, let's just name drop some guys right off the bat. You had Ethan Ellison, who went on to Laval and looked like he played in nationals, felt like every year he was Absolutely. there. Zach Albert, I think, is at FTC right now. He won a national championship in yeah. college. Like, can you just name some other guys that were around? Yeah, like, uh, Armin, he, he just graduated from Waterloo. He yeah. sat there, uh, played with uh, Dale Tao. Like, he went to RMC and, like, looked like a stud there. He's played, like, a, a lot of military Canada games. Yeah, I think he just got back. Yeah, he yeah, just got back yeah. this year. Yeah, like, he's doing amazing things. Uh just like all, like every single guy on that team, like even the guys that you just named, like they're just awesome players. Like played with Craig Ireland, um, uh, and he's at McMaster playing really, really well. He was at um, VSU or I was on B team this year yeah, or something. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. So, like, yeah, yeah. So like those guys, like I, like I started playing volleyball relatively late, um, and just like seeing those guys play and just having the honor of being on that team and like being like the project and like just developing because like I have the physical capabilities. Like, I just looked up to those guys, and they, like, they taught me so much in, like, a little bit of time, like, every year. And so, yeah, like, I'm indebted to those guys for where I am right now, for sure. What was, what was a practice like? Because I know um, Mike Albert was probably coaching for most years, yeah, if not yeah. all of them. Yeah. Uh, being a, a dad of one of the players, that probably helped control the energy a lot. But I'm just looking up and down at these names we just discussed, and that's... That's a high in, intense a group. Like that's, yeah. a, that's a hectic group that's that skilled. You guys can all play, but uh, the intention maybe wasn't always there, right? No, well, like I think we just have like a like good team chemistry. With, like I, I think he was a very just like a good coach in general, right? And like it, it didn't matter like that Zach was his son. Like there wasn't really a focus on like one individual person. Like he just like he was like like we have like amazing athletic like uh, smart players on our team. Let's like. Let's work on skill-based stuff. Like, let's do serving passes. Let's run the pipe. Let's run the middle. Let's like run a faster outside ball. Like, like a lot of the focus is on like, like if anything, it was on Ethan like being like a virtuoso with the volleyball in his hands, right? And like, I think he, him being a setter too, when he was younger, like uh, coaching through Ethan, like to to be the quarterback of our team, like that was just awesome. I think, I think he had a really good focus. Like every practice, he came in with a plan, like. Whether we came from a tournament, it's like okay, like this is what we need to work on. Like it was, it was like a really good, like him having him as a coach was a really good introduction to how university would be. Nice. Yeah, for Very sure. Cool. So that that's a perfect segue to talk about you, Shadi. You played club for Matt Harris, who was yeah. obviously a, a really high level coach even at that time, and now is coaching at the university level. Uh, did you have him for the core of your club, or if not all? Like, what age did you kind of get set up with his teams? Yeah, so when I was in grade 7, when I first started playing club, I played uh, the team that I ended up being on was full, um, and they were already a little bit into the season, so I ended up joining the older uh, Markham team. Uh, then in grade 8, uh, we were all playing together, uh, and we came. Uh, we ended up uh, coming second at Nationals out east. Um, so then I think uh, Garth, who was running the club at the time, was like, we need to get um, you guys like a – like a proper mind of a coach, uh, which is no disrespect to the coaches we had before, but he saw our group as as having a lot of potential. Um, so then Matt Harris ended up coming from Ottawa uh, to Toronto um, when I was in grade nine. So I had him from grade nine to grade twelve. And now it would only be fair if we name drop, right? So I think Roland is, is <laughs> yeah, the Roland, Roland um, came in grade nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe there's another middle on your York squad that you played club with. I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, there's no one else from my my club team now here at York. Oh shoot, maybe he committed early and then didn't there was uh, yeah. we had uh, Waylon Chen, who played okay. Libera Water uh, Waterloo. Uh, Davis Gordon was the setter of my club and high school, and he came here to York for two years. Um, 
We had Matthew Begg that actually went to Ryerson, but he didn't really play. Um, but last year when, uh, or two years ago, I forget which year, when the players were down a couple guys for some right, reasons, right. he actually stepped up, and I was watching his game, and he played phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, we had a really good, we had a solid club team. When I was uh, when I was in grade 12, we actually had, like I think it was like 10 or 11 guys from my high school that were also on my club team. And my high school coach, John Lamb, was also our assistant coach right. for our club team. So we had... Uh, I had a very similar group of guys that I was training with and like inside of school and outside of school all the time and like obviously Matt Harris and Lamb were on the same page a lot of the time so it was it was really good in that aspect. Nice so you guys both played really competitive club uh, you won an offset championship you were at a very competitive high school with Mayfield and like we mentioned like Chris Tao and some other guys had come through at what point did you realize you wanted to play university volleyball? Like, were you guys exposed well that you knew about it, or was this just kind of something that you thought about in grade twelve? Like, when did it click that you knew you could play at the next level? Yeah, like end of end of grade twelve, I was just like, especially just seeing the strides I was making, and like just also just knowing that like people were like noticing, like what was like people that I didn't really know, like on other club teams, were like, hey, like where are you playing next year? Like, so like just kind of like, getting that gauge of like people asking questions, like maybe it's like something that you should actually look into. Um, you know, uh, Mike Chumley uh, approached me at a, at a master tournament, actually, uh, in the club season, and, and he gave me a pitch and said, we'd really love to have you, like, went for a tour, and, um, like, I just felt the connection, like, I, I felt the York connection, my dad, actually, who passed away when I was when I was younger, went to York University, so I felt that connection, too, as well, um, and, like, yeah, it was almost like a done deal, signed, soon, signed sealed, and delivered. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, as a kid, I, I always knew that I wanted to continue playing sports as long as I could. Um, I used to play basketball, I ended up quitting basketball and, and, and focusing on volleyball because I had a greater passion for it. Um, growing up in high school and being around the area, like I, I came to York Games all the time and it was always a school that interested me. Um, and then it kind of, at the end of the day, came down to Western and, and York and um, I, I reached out to the Western coach and, and he had me out in grade 12. Uh, for a visit, and then uh, Chumley, who I, I knew more personally because of coming to the games and stuff, uh, started having a, a much greater interest in me. Um, but I, I, all through high school, I kind of knew I wanted to. I wasn't 100% if uh, if I was going to kind of be at least tall enough, and being, <laughs> being a bit shorter um, as I am, um, and just knowing how my body was going to be. But it, it ended up working out where I was able to squeeze my way onto a team and uh, – and yeah, like I, I just loved it when I came here for York, and and uh, same thing as Ture. Like there was there was such a good vibe here, and um, the guys were really welcoming and stuff. Even just being on visits and, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a bit later. I committed pretty late in my grade twelve year, like just before nationals. But um, I, I wanted to get that done right before nationals, so I didn't have to worry about that, like worry about coaches and stuff like that while I was at nationals. So um, yeah, I think like maybe the night before I flew out to I think it was out. Florida or Calgary uh, or Calgary Calgary um, I, I just texted Chumley and told him I was gonna commit here nice nice those those are great stories thank you I did want to circle back and Terry just talk about your ACL in, in your third year and yeah. kind of the the mental toughness you had to either display or grow during that process do you mind just touching like at what point of the season did you go down and then what was the process to get you back to, to playing shape yeah um, so coming off of a high of second year making second team especially with Tebow being on that team as well and, and helping us like doing like a significant portion of, of some offensive uh, capabilities to get us to the quarterfinals and then coming in rooming with confidence and 
um, playing really well those fours. Playing like, really well. Yeah, like playing like except both of us like shotty on left side, me in the middle, just like jumping super high, like hitting all kinds of shots, and we we were in a barn burner with Waterloo in the fifth, fifth set. set. Uh, the I think it was like the fifth or sixth game in. It was like November seventeenth or something like that, and. Uh, Fifth set went up for a ball. Um, I watched the replay like so many times, but just like at the end of the day, came down on one leg, like I'm sure every volleyball player has at some point in their life. And uh, my knee kind of just couldn't handle the load um, at the time, and um, so it tore my ACL uh, and then tore my um, my lateral meniscus. Uh, so found that out, and my my knee was a balloon for a couple months. Had surgery in January. So, because it took a, a little while for that swelling to, to get out. And then, just like a vigorous, vigorous rehab protocol, I was pretty determined from day one. I was like, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna hold me back. Like, I, I felt like this was like my calling and um, worked really, really hard with the strength and conditioning department with the clinic. Like we've had, we have currently have like, I would say the best clinic uh, in Ontario at, at least. Um, and like just working with Tracy and, and Britt and James down there um, really helped me out. I got back to almost like I would say eighty percent strength, uh, both in muscle mass and like and strength. Um, and then had a brace, had to wear a brace for my fourth year. Um, and that year was just all about you know gaining confidence in like my my volleyball abilities again. You know, like getting the arm swing back, getting the hops back again, um, just getting those like basic like mental um, checklists gone through and um, yeah that, I think that whole process just just taught me discipline and just making sure that like at the end of the day like no matter what circumstances come your way like you are the master of your own body and self and mind and uh, yeah just putting your head down and even though it hurts sometimes and even though it's not the most comfortable thing in the world um, there are so many people who, who give up their dream because they can't continue or just like they literally um, just can't right and just be the reason um that if you can't do what you do and do what you love that you did everything you could in your power and I, I did everything in my power and here i am today feeling really good yeah he i to reiterate like he i remember seeing him going in <clears throat> at the beginning obviously it's pretty tough when you first come out of acl surgery you're not very mobile but um watching him like develop and going through everything he went in to the surgery in really really good shape which is also a really big thing to do with like ACL like my sister did hers as well um, but was in really good shape going into the surgery um, I think which helps but you should should have seen like there were people that had surgery before him and he was like developing and coming back at such a faster rate than everyone else um, because it was not that no one was working hard but he was just putting everything into coming back um, and I was incredibly surprised when it was like August and he was back in the gym like jumping really well and a brace and it was like it was crazy to see because when something like that happens like that happened right beside me and I remember like grabbing him as he was down and like wasn't responding at all he was just holding his knee because that's it's a lot of weight to come down on your knee like that because Drew is not a small guy and um and you just think it you're like oh my god he's done like how is he going to come back and, and seeing him it was really inspiring seeing him next year like be be back and how hard he worked to come back for everyone and it was great for our team. Yeah, I, I noticed when he's telling the story, you're nodding the head along because you remember it just as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tori, did it help? The team culture here is so strong because we've had other guests on the show and they talk about when they get injured, it really starts to affect their identity, right? Because you take away so much time and part of your social life that you're just not at the gym with these guys anymore, right? So 
did Honestly, that kind of affect it too, or did the culture kind of take over and you were still a part of it? Right? The culture 100% took over. Like I said before, like it's a brotherhood. And like, even not just when that thing happened, like when it happened, like everyone was texting me, like, how are you doing? just the love was pouring in from my team especially which was much appreciated like wabi at the time came to my house and dropped off a box of chocolates and just said like hey like how are you doing like, just throughout the whole process like i was i was talking to the guys like i was working at the same time as the guys in the gym uh, while they were doing their team lifts and i was doing my my acl protocol and like the, the guys were in the gym and we're like front squatting or back squatting and and they're like oh you're back squatting more than i am right now <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was just like, honestly, everyone was just like, I was, I never felt like I was away from the team or not a part of the team. Like I was at every single game, cheering my guys on, putting on the same shoes I tore my ACL and just cheering, like thinking that I'm playing with them. And I never felt like I was like excluded or just like, like away from the brotherhood. No, like I was like, these are a band of brothers and I'm honored to be a part of this team because I don't know, like I'm, I'm sure other teams are great, but. I, I don't think I would be the same person I am without it's these It's hard guys. to imagine yeah. being on a different team with yeah. like the guys and the support that everyone has for each other here, which I'm sure, yeah, other teams have. But this is like, it, it, it's unlike most teams I feel like that I've been on before. I mean, I, the guys that I grew up with and I played with like all had the same type of support, but you just think like the older you get, the more kind of focused everyone is on themselves. But here it's definitely, it's definitely not like that at all. So yeah. it's nice. Sweet, yeah. Thank you for sharing that and just touching on your culture stuff. I think our, our listeners who coach youth teams are definitely going to hopefully adopt a lot of the stuff that you guys have built here. Don't miss the Can-Am Holiday Volleyball Showcase, North America's premier men's volleyball event. Experience and enjoy world-class athletes, coaches, and competition in Toronto this holiday season, December 28th to 31st at the Toronto Pan-Am Sports Centre. Get your tickets while they last at www.cahbs.com. Early bird pricing and soon. Uh, we do like to end every episode with just a funny story where you guys are high performers. You're at the highest level of our sport, but I think what non-volleyball people don't realize is we still deal with some odd stuff in our sport. So <laughs> yeah. uh, anything you guys want to queue up to give our listeners a little bit of a laugh where it's just like, man, these guys are at the top of the OUA, but they still deal with some stuff every once in a while. I think a funny story that's... Uh... That could be relatable for like any first year. This is when I was in first year, but um, we had a preseason out to Chicago, and the night before, I'm like, "Oh man, like I have no laundry, like I, I have no clothes to actually pack on this trip." So I'm in res, I'm on the eighth floor, and the laundry's in the basement. I'm back and forth doing laundry, trying to get everything ready, and I'm just feeling super sick. Anyways, I wake or I fall asleep with the lights off. I wake up at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. We're leaving at like seven or something in the morning. And I rip downstairs, get my laundry. I'm like coughing my eyes out. I have to run to the bank that's like not even on campus to get some US money, run back to campus, run to the bus. And everyone's like, what's going on? Like my eyes are bloodshot, like I'm coughing, like I'm, I'm, I'm dying essentially. And I'm just playing sick there the whole weekend where we're playing Lewis and Loyola. And, the defending and, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, like what am I doing? But like, honestly, we had a really good time on that trip and it was just unfortunate but it was pretty funny like just being sick and just like and just lugging myself around and going to haunted houses when we had some free time but long story short come back and a couple weeks later i'm like this isn't normal go to the doctor ends up i caught bronchitis somehow no way yeah so playing with bronchitis in chicago and had no idea but it was just like a funny experience just being sick and just 
and but also like having one of the most fun times in my life, especially coming into university the first year and playing volleyball. Nice. Yeah, yeah, my 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 story from the same <laughs> trip. Uh, once we actually got to Chicago, we played Loyola. Um, it was a good game. We're just kind of hanging around downtown uh, Chicago, and um, I'm one of those guys where I'm walking around if like something catches my eye, I'm very like stuck on it, and I'm I'm, a, I'm an observant guy, and I get distracted very easily. And we're walking, and there's this huge building that's like lit up with. Um, I guess like certain rooms are lit up, so they're spelling out words. I have no idea what it says though, because it's not done very well. And but I'm like determined to figure it out. We're just <laughs> walking along the streets, and I just walked like straight into a fire hydrant and like <laughs> clipped right under my uh, kneecap. And that hands down, like I've I've broken bones, I've I've torn ligaments. That was hands down the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not one of those guys that ever goes into like shock or anything. So I just. I felt every piece of it. Everyone was looking at me like, what was going on? I was trying to play it cool because I'm in first year and not trying to seem like that dude that just walked into a fire hydrant. Uh, so I put my arms around my two buddies and we just walked on the bus. My trainer was freaking out. My knee just started blowing up. Um, and we had 8 a.m. practice with Lewis and then we played them later that day. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to get in or not, but I'm a first year and I'd love to be able to uh, get the experience. So I don't say anything to my coach, just like wrap my knee up so you can't really see anything. Uh, Nicholas Piernat goes down with an ankle injury in the first set. So my coach calls my name and I, uh, I just somehow had to figure out how to keep my knee warm until that point. And then I went on the court and it was hands down uh, one of the toughest things I've ever had to do because I felt like I couldn't jump, couldn't bend my knee, couldn't play defense. Um, and I mean, it was a struggle. Probably wasn't my finest game ever, but you know, I figured out a way to get through the game. And then we had a 10-hour bus ride home where I got to watch the office the whole time as my knee swole up more. So, yeah. You guys have come a long way since first year. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. no more fire hydrants. <laughs> no more rock hydrants. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, I know you guys got some game prep to do, so thanks for meeting with us and taking the time to do this. Obviously, two very easy guys to root for, so good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully, you gain some fans through this, and we can keep an eye on the York Lions this year. I think uh, I think this is the year. I feel good things coming. Yeah, hopefully. Too. So last year. <laughs> thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. No problem.